President Joe Biden releases his 2023 budget. Tesla proposes another stock split. We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day. Apple cuts production of a new release. A major economist calls for a cost of living crisis. An electric vehicle maker beats expectations. And a major firm sounds off on Instagram's NFT efforts. This is the Running With The Money Briefing. Let's get into it. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast powered by Pound On The Table. Either way, we are back. I'm your host, Luke Donay, in the markets. Well, Dow Jones currently down 57 points. NASDAQ up 111 and the S&P 500 up 12. Some of the indexes here going red to green midday. Now, shifting in sector by sector, what do we see? We see outperformance today in the consumer cyclicals, real estate, technology, and utilities all moving to the upside. Meanwhile, the number one leader to the downside is energy, right behind it, basic materials, and in third place, the third worst sector of the day, financials. But shifting into the biggest headlines of the day, we first have to cover President Joe Biden's 2023 budget. The White House releasing this budget today with some major proposals when it comes to taxes, the federal budget deficit, and much more. So we're going to get right into this. So first off, President Joe Biden's 2023 federal budget. Let's get right into key revenue raisers, and then we'll flip into what in the world they are looking um, to basically increase those revenues for. Like, where is that money going to go? Where is that newly generated revenue going to go? So, shifting into key revenue raisers. First off, President Joe Biden is proposing a raise of the corporate tax rate from its current state at 21% all the way up to 28%. So, taking the corporate tax rate at 28%, that's his first move. Then raising the top individual tax bracket to 39.6%. He also would like to impose a 20% minimum tax on anyone in the top 0.01% of earners or really households with more than $100 million in worth. And that is really what he is calling the billionaire's minimum tax. He would also like to take back some tax breaks that were given to the oil and gas producers and processors. Doesn't exclude processors. Also, Tax carried interest as regular income, closing the so-called carried interest loophole. So he wants to close the carried interest loophole. And then finally, he would like to end tax deferrals on gains that are from like-kind exchanges. So some big-time moves when it comes to taxes, some big-time tax increases. He's really wanting to raise that corporate tax to the level that many people did not want to see. And he's also wanting to raise that top individual tax bracket But where in the world would all this newly generated revenue go if they do make these moves? Well, according to the budget, $31 billion new will go to defense spending. Furthermore, that will bring the total national defense spending up to $813 billion. Now, also, over $32 billion would now go to fight crime here at home, which includes more than $20.6 billion at the Department of Justice, and then $3.2 billion for state and local law enforcement, and that is additionally $32 billion and additionally $31 billion to defense spending. And then finally, right around $10.6 billion would go to global health security, all of which includes COVID as well and preparation for future pandemics. So, 
he really is making some big moves here when it comes to the tax front. But many are saying, well, really, is it all justified if you're simply going to be giving $31 billion in new defense spending, $32 billion in spending on fighting crime here at home? I mean, all of those things are important. But the real kicker here that many people aren't talking about is, in essence, he is touting a reduction of the federal budget deficit by more than a trillion dollars over the next 10 years. And that's really the goal of this proposal. So it's a very interesting budget proposal. It'll be interesting to see all the opinions on this new budget plan out of the Biden administration. Many like it, many don't like it. And of course, it'll be interesting to see where it goes throughout the rest of our federal government. Now, shifting into news out of Tesla, Tesla proposing another stock split to their board, according to filings, out of the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. So the filing says on quote at the shareholder meeting for an increase in the number of authorized shares of common stock in order to enable a stock split of the company's common stock in the form of a stock dividend. So in essence, what the SEC filing out of Tesla and the SEC is saying is that Tesla will be asking at the next shareholder meeting for an increase in the number of authorized shares in common stock so they can give out, in essence, a stock dividend. Now, what in the world is a stock dividend? So a stock dividend is really just a dividend that's paid to shareholders, but in the form of more shares instead of being paid in cash like most dividends. Now, Tesla did, the company itself, actually release a tweet. Yes, a tweet on Twitter, typical Tesla. They go on to say, quote, Tesla will ask shareholders to vote at this year's annual meeting to authorize additional shares in order to enable a stock split. So, Tesla asking shareholders to vote on another stock split in order to pay a stock dividend to shareholders. A big time headline, Tesla moving up on that news. Now, shifting into this headline out of Apple and reports noting that the company is cutting production of their latest released iPhone SE by 20%. Yes, you heard that correctly, 20%. So Apple is scaling back production of that new iPhone SE due to weaker than expected demand. And that's according to CNBC and Nikki Asia in that report coming out today, Monday. So reportedly, according to reports on Nikki Asia, Apple has been asking suppliers to cut production of the iPhone SE. It's new $429 5G phone. It's their budget edition iPhone, but still 5G capable by about 2 million to 3 million units or 20% of the initial orders. Furthermore, Apple also reducing orders of the AirPods by roughly 10 million units for the full year of 2022. Now, why in the world would they be doing this? But before we get into why they'd be doing this, I want to note that it is the iPhone SE. And if you take a look at data out of CounterPoint Research, the 2020 version of the iPhone SE only accounted for 12% of all iPhone sales up until the Q4 2021 launch of this latest iPhone SE. So it's really not a huge part of iPhone sales. I mean, 12% is sizable, but it's not like a massive part of Apple's iPhone sales. But we did get some commentary on this by JP Morgan. So they actually came out with an analyst call reiterating Apple as overweight. They go on to say, quote, in summary, lead times have moderated in almost all geographies with the exception of China, where store pickup continues to be unavailable and delivery lead times have expanded modestly. Although, at this time, it is tough to discern lead time extensions on account of demand versus logistics or COVID lockdown related delays. So, 
In essence, what J.P. Morgan is saying about this delay is that really what it seems to be uh, stemming from is possible lead times extending in China in the COVID-19 spread in China, in essence, slowing sales in a major geography for Apple. So that is something to pay attention to. A very interesting note out of J.P. Morgan and a very interesting headline out of Apple. Once again, cutting production of the iPhone SE reportedly by 20%. Now, shifting into the rest of our biggest analyst calls, we had Piper Sandler downgrading Beyond Meat to underweight from neutral. The firm went on to say, quote, we remain bearish on key fundamentals as competitive intensity is growing, including a launch by Motif Foodworks detailed inside. We have lower U.S. McDonald's expectations and it continues to burn cash with no clear path to positive EBITDA. So Piper Sandler downgrading Beyond Meat to underweight sound pretty bearish, downgrading their expectations and not seeing a path to positive EBITDA. Now, we also had Daywa initiating Roblox as outperformed. The firm went on to say, quote, we see the mobile gaming market growing early teens and the young metaverse market with a small base growing nearly triple digits. Growth should moderate but remain high post-COVID's tough comps, pressured by margins and elusive profitability remain for now. So, the firm seems to like Roblox initiating it as outperform, but at the same time, they're saying there are going to be some tough post-COVID comparisons when it comes to those earnings. Now, shifting into Morgan Stanley, downgrading City to underweight from equal weight. Morgan Stanley goes on to say, quote, we are downgrading City to underweight for two reasons, lack of near-term catalyst and the negative impact of deglobalization. Morgan Stanley keeping it Short and sweet on this call here on City, downgrading the name to underweight from equal weight. We also had Bernstein reiterating Tesla as underperformed. The firm went on to say, quote, amid a market pullback that has punished higher growth, higher valuation stocks, Tesla has been remarkably resilient with its stock largely performing in line with the rest of the market year to date and in line with traditional auto OEM. So in essence, it seems Bernstein is saying here, no, we're not yet bullish enough on the name. We're not bullish on the name, first off, because it hasn't really pulled back much at all. It's still trading at a much higher valuation compared to peers, and therefore, we continue to reiterate it as underperform. We also have Deutsche Bank reiterating Roku as a buy the firm on the sake, quote, while volatility may continue in the near term, with the company remaining the market leader for streaming platforms, viewers, and ad dollars still moving over to streaming at a fast rate, and the stock trading at just four times guided 2022 revenue. We like the risk reward over a 12-month time horizon and maintain our buy rating. So in essence, it's a valuation call on the Deutsche Bank here on Roku saying that the name is too cheap despite their earnings and revenues, and therefore they believe it is a buy. Deutsche Bank reiterating Roku as a buy. And then finally, Gunningham reiterating Amazon as a buy. The firm on the say, quote, our positive view on Amazon in 2022 has centered on the potential inflection in its retail business, along with the related improvement in the operating leverage and acceleration in advertising and support for AWS. We believe that is playing out. And then our final analyst call of the day, JP Morgan upgrading Deer to neutral from underweight. The firm on say, quote, we are upgrading Deer to neutral, given our belief that the ag upcycle will be extended through 2023, driven by current geopolitical events and high grain prices together with ongoing supply chain constraints. So a big day of analyst calls, definitely an interesting day, especially when you have a day where you have a major firm reiterating Tesla as underperforming, Gunningham reiterating Amazon as a buy. Now shifting into 
some commentary out of big-time economist Mohammed Alarian warning of a cost-of-living crisis. So he believes that the current macro backdrop in the United States is lining us up for a not-so-great future in the near term. So first, we need to give you a little briefer on what in the world the markets are currently pricing. So current pricing is suggesting, according to CNBC, a half percentage point hike in May and then a boost of 2.5 percentage points to the benchmark rates throughout the end of the year. And this is all coming off of near zero levels at the beginning of 2022. So what does this all mean? Well, we got some commentary out of Mohammed El Arian, who is an economic advisor at Allianz and president of Queens College, Cambridge. He goes on to say, quote, the bond market believes inflation is too high. The Fed is well behind the curve and the Fed risks pushing the economy into recession as it tries to catch up. So he believes that the Fed is risking pushing the economy into a recession here by attempting to halt inflation. He also talked a bit about yield curves and the warnings of inversion in comparison to recessions. We talked about this on the last pod as well. Well, this is what he had to say about those curves and some of the hints in relation to what consumers are going to have to deal with. He said, quote, we are looking at a cost of living crisis. That's what we are looking at for the next two quarters, three quarters, where the consumer is going to get hit hard by inflation. They're going to get hit hard by lower consumer sentiment. So he believes that the consumer is going to get hit hard by this inflation, but that the corporate sector, not so much. He goes on to say even further, the corporate sector has pricing power. It has pricing power because demand is still solid. So we'll be able to pass through the higher cost. Overall, we are going to go through a difficult period where the cost of living is going to be on everybody's mind. So he, in essence, believes that while corporate America likely remains strong, you are going to see consumers struggle due to higher cost of living and those inflation costs being passed on directly to the consumer. Some very interesting commentary out of Mohammed El Arian, a big-time economist that has been listened to for many, many years. Now, shifting into electric automaker X-Pang, posting better-than-expected earnings. So, X-Pang did indeed release their earnings and... For the quarter, they lost $202 million or $0.22 per share, which was much better than the expectation. Also, revenue coming in at $1.34 billion. Now, you take a look at gross profit margin, which many analysts and investors have been watching here on XBang, and that gross profit margin actually fell in the fourth quarter from the third quarter from 13.6% to 10.9%. So still gross profit margins, not the best, although it is important to know. If you look at fourth quarter 2020, gross profit margin, it was 3.5% then. So 10.9% is still a big time improvement over the 2020 level of 3.5%. Also shifting into deliveries. So XBank did say management noted that they hope to soon deliver 10,000 units of their flagship P7 sedans in a single month. They also expect their new P5 sedan to reach similar production numbers according to the company later this year. Now, XBang delivered 60,569 P7s in 2021. And then if you take a look at P5 deliveries that went into production during the fourth quarter, those deliveries totaled 7,865. So delivery is not all too bad. 
Now, the CEO of Xpeng also said that Xpeng's next new model, which is an upscaled electric SUV called the G9, is actually on track to begin production here in the third quarter of 2022. Now, two more new models are, according to the company, on the way and will follow in 2023. But looking ahead, Xpeng does expect to deliver between 33,500 and 34,000 vehicles in this quarter, the current quarter, which is actually representing more than 150% growth when compared to the first quarter of 2021. So some solid delivery growth there if they meet their numbers. It's in total, Xpeng delivered a total of 19,147 vehicles from January to February. So some solid numbers coming out of Xpeng, a smaller loss than expected, but that gross profit margin just not meeting the expectations and therefore the stock did see some negative this morning. Now shifting into an interesting note out of Deutsche Bank touching on Instagram's NFT efforts and this report is all per Blockworks and Coindesk. So as we know over the recent months Instagram and in more general terms, Facebook and Mr. Mark Zuckerberg have been talking about introducing NFTs, not only to Instagram, but also Facebook. Now, according to a report from the Financial Times, which is citing sources familiar with this matter, Meta platforms will be launching an NFT marketplace, and that's according to the Financial Times and their sources. Now, also, they are saying that Instagram and Facebook are also going to allow or develop a feature that's going to allow users to showcase their NFTs on their profiles. So, in essence, the rumor is, the reports are saying, people familiar with this matter are saying that Meta is going to be releasing an NFT marketplace on Instagram and possibly Facebook that is going to allow you to buy and sell NFTs, but also make them your profile photo and share them via the platforms. So this is very interesting, but what did Deutsche Bank have to say on this? Well, they believe this is actually going to open up a lot of new boundaries for the NFT space. They believe it's going to, quote, legitimize NFTs, which could serve to erode buying hesitancy across the company's broader audience. So they believe that by doing and taking these actions, that in essence, this NFT market is going to be further legitimized and therefore more people are going to jump in on the NFT train. They are also talking about the TAM potential of this. So, According to Deutsche Bank, the NFTs have an estimated total addressable market, or TAM, of over a trillion dollars. Now, it is important to note that this figure, according to Blockworks and Deutsche Bank, is led by cases such as art, gambling, and collectibles, but still, that's a very sizable TAM for Meta and Instagram to access. So, this is a very interesting headline coming out of multiple sources, really It's all trying to figure out what in the world Instagram and Facebook and moreover Meta is going to do when it comes to NFTs. And it seems they're wanting to jump in heavily on this market and it all fits now with Meta's metaverse ambitions. But a very interesting report coming out of Deutsche Bank, Meta, and Blockworks. Now, that is the show. I want to thank you all for listening once again. In the meantime, go get my boys over at Pound of the Table a listen at Pound of the Table anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcast. Also, please go and give me and my team a follow at Running With The Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Luke Dene on Twitter. Easily profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow. 